0: And what we're doing in this progression of the books of the Bible is we're discovering where Jesus is found in each and every book. John 5, the Bible says, the scriptures speak of me. Jesus said the Bible talks of him. And uh, the New Testament hadn't yet been written. So every book, old and new, reveals Jesus in a very unique way. We have been looking at that all the way from Genesis now all the way to uh, 1 Thessalonians. Now, Paul wrote two letters to the Thessalonian church. And today we're going to address the first letter uh, written to these believers. I want to explain a little bit of history and context. The idea is to empower you to be able to read your Bible more effectively. And um, I, I do want to just point out: next week, I would really appreciate your prayers this week, particularly tomorrow on Monday. That's when I really focus in on uh, what uh, you know what I feel the Lord stirring for the message, the core idea. But next week is going to be a little bit of a challenge for me, and I just thought I'd mention it right up front and invite your prayers in partnership, because Thessalonians talks about the end times. There's a lot of discussion about this lawless one, the Antichrist and the second coming of Christ, and, and uh, we're going to, in our groups, I'm, we're now cultivating our, our discussion questions to complement the message rather than to be the message, and so... Uh, these next few weeks for those groups that do those Q&A, uh, for our community groups that do uh, sermon-related stuff. I'm, I'm cultivating and developing that. I'm going to have a rather extensive blog next week. What you may not realize is the Bible gives predictions and prophecies about things that have yet to happen but are uh, soon in coming. There is a uh, there 's a, a prophecy, and we 'll probably talk about this next week of a specific mountain that Jesus is going to stand on and that it is going to divide literally there 'll be an earthquake, and the mountain will divide in jesus second coming reign and the The wild thing is somebody actually tried to build a hotel on that mountain, and you 're never going to guess what happened. They did not allow them to build a hotel on the mountain because there is a fault line that goes down the middle of that mountain in Israel and uh, in, in, you understand like that fault line actually runs the exact distance and the the exact location, east to west, north to south layout that the Bible prophesies is going to happen. How many of you believe the Bible says that it's actually going to come to pass? The Bible speaks of an attack that will come on Israel from the north, and it's interesting. The Hebrew word for the place that is coming from the north to attack Israel uh, Israel is spelled M O S C O. Does that sound like any place you know of today? And Moscow happens to be due north of Israel. So there are a lot of things that we're looking at, tensions in today's world. How I many you know I got my work cut out for me to, to uh, kind of tackle this huge discussion? And I'm going to, again, give a very extensive blog for you to be able to look into this. I'll probably stir as many questions as I'll produce answers as we're looking into this because that's kind of the nature of eschatology and end time studies. But it'll be very interesting. Um, just an awaken. And you and I need to live very much on purpose because Jesus is coming back and that's the essence of everything I want to share with you today. Out of First Thessalonians, Jesus is revealed in this book as the coming king who is going to return. Jesus is coming back. As surely as Jesus has come He will come again, and the Bible says that that is going to take place, that there are things that will happen uh, prior to that, things that we're starting to see uh, that look so uh, prevalent in the news horizons and so on, and it is really curious and and interesting and intriguing to study and press in, but I'm just going to make this statement right up front. Ladies and gentlemen, we are not to ever take those types of teachings and use them to instill fear in the hearts of people to get a reaction that we want to have. and It's a shame that that has been predominantly what has happened. When people start putting up these charts and saying all these things, the Bible doesn't ever say that. And In fact, God did not give us a spirit of fear. We should not manipulate people by using spirit of fear to get them to give or show up or go tell people about Jesus. Fear should never be your motivation in that regard. There's an unhealthy fear that I believe has been tapped into, and I am all about exposing that which is unhealthy and embracing that which is healthy. The fear of the Lord is a healthy fear for us to possess, and we need that. Let's all celebrate that. Come on. We want health in the church, the body of Christ to be a healthy body. So this is all about 1 Thessalonians, you can see on your your page there, this is all about Paul writing to these believers, telling them Jesus is coming back. So I thought in honor of moms, I would try and tie in some mom illustrations today to make the point. Um, So how many of you, your mom ever told you to clean up your room? Can I just see your hand? Raise your hand if your mom told you to clean up your room. How many of you did not clean up your room more than once? Where are my kids? Because I need to see some hands being raised. Okay, how many of you know there is a big difference between mom saying, I want you to clean up your room, and mom saying, I want you to clean up your room, and I'll be back in 20 minutes to see how things are going, right? If you know she's coming back, it changes your disposition about what you've been asked to do. If you know Jesus is coming back, it will change your disposition about what God has asked us to do. This is important. This is a very important element for us to understand. You and I are not called to live our lives on accident. You and I are called to live our lives on purpose. You have an assignment from God. Something in the heart of God makes you necessary. There's something God wanted done that brought you about. Do you understand? Your mom and dad might not have planned you, but God planned you. So the awareness that Jesus is coming back will change our perspective, and largely this is a lot of what Paul is saying as he's communicating and laying this out. Now understand that Thessalonica, this city, it was a uh, seaport city, a bustling seaport city. It was a very important communication and trade center. It was the largest city in Macedonia, a very predominant, prevailing presence of a community, And uh, that's an important thing for us to realize because what happened, again, history, context, just a little bit in these books so that when you go back and reading your Bible, you can find all 66 of these messages online, hear a little history, context, how Jesus is revealed and what the key revelation is that we're bringing about. But what you need to understand, Paul goes into this city, and he, as uh, typically is his, is his mode, he starts sharing the love and the life and the power of Jesus Christ, and he wins people to Christ. How many of you know that's what God's called us to do? And so we're called to go, now, go about this in, in a way that, that is accommodating to our gift. How many of you know some people in this room are loud, like me? Uh, some people in this room are not so loud. How many of you are not so loud? Raise your hand. I know it's a very hard thing for you to do when I ask. Because, like, the loud people are like, yep, that's me. Right? And the quiet people, they're just like, yeah, that's me. And so, uh, you know, your gift and your, your wiring and your mechanism, I want you to understand something. God never wants you to be something you're not. God really wants you to be something you are. And, and you've heard before, you know, like, actions speak louder than words, right? so your testimony of your lifestyle and the expression of the love of Christ is sometimes a better sermon than a loud mouth like me that just wants to tell everybody everything you recognize that but sometimes they need to be told so what we need to learn to do is cooperate with who we are and understand that this is a really important assignment from God and be about the business of the father on a regular ongoing basis so here's Paul and he comes into this community and starts winning people to Jesus and after he begins winning people to Jesus Riots start to break out. Death threats start to come. This is a a pretty big uh, situation that's unfolding and taking place. People are fearing for their lives. It's interesting when you're looking at these letters that we're going through in the New Testament, if you just take a glance through the book of Acts, what you'll find is there's snapshots of where the letters are coming from. And in this case, you can find that snapshot in Acts chapter 17. And it talks about how Paul narrowly escapes with his life. And so here he is in this community and he's he's walking all this out sharing the love and the life of Christ people are coming to know the Lord and, and largely what what would really help us to understand when we're reading the book is he's largely speaking to Gentiles he's not talking to a lot of Jews his his converts primarily in this community were not from the Jewish community but rather from the Gentiles that were given to great expressions of paganism in many ways and so that's why we start to see where he's trying to clean up their lifestyle in the book and it makes sense when you start to see that um, how many of you can identify with you grew up in church can I just see hand if you grew up in church how many of you uh, like you came out of a pagan lifestyle, you didn't grow up in church, right? You understand what I'm saying. I'm using the term there kind of facetiously, but you do recognize like those are two different perspectives, two different cultures, two different paradigms. God's addressing all those paradigms, but here's the thing every one of us needs to understand God doesn't merely want to address the actions of our lives, He wants to address the motives of our heart. That's why every book is applicable in everybody's life. You can do the right thing with a wrong motive and not be pleasing to the Lord. You can do the wrong thing with a right motive and God be drawing you deeper into his purpose through the whole thing. I mean, it's a really wild scenario, but ultimately what we need to understand that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And so God's always trying to reach into the heart And uh, ultimately, this letter is now being written as Paul had to flee for his life, and all these recent converts now are fearing for their lives. And so that helps us understand a little of the the context, the purpose for his writing the letter is revealed. Um, As you read through this, you'll find different things. For instance, in 1 Thessalonians 3, he's encouraging them in the midst of these great trials and tribulations. In the next chapter, he's talking to them about how to uh, live a godly life, have instruction for godly living. And then he gives assurance and hope uh, for life and for death. How many of you know there's hope in life? God is able. And how many of you know there's hope in death? I mean, it's an amazing thing. Jesus changes everything. And that's his declaration in chapter four, as he's saying there's hope in both life and in death before Jesus returns, and Jesus is coming back. So here we are. Outsiders of the religious movement of Paul's day are drawn into the love of Christ and the purposes of God. And we're going to pick up in uh, 1 Thessalonians 1 as they're having this intense fallout. Now Paul begins to write, and there are three things I want to try to mine out of this, unpack out of these few verses with you today, starting in verse 4, th- 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Now, I, I, my, my thought was I would just kind of read this so the words you know, weren't up on the screen for a long time. But as I was praying this morning, I just felt the Lord was just saying, slow down. (laughs) I mean, we can get busy about what we're trying to accomplish, and I have so many things going in my head today, and I just felt the Lord was just saying as I was in that place of prayer, just slow down and let me have a conversation. I think God really wants to have a conversation with us today, and that's the most important priority I carry as your pastor, standing in this place before you, that we would participate in that conversation. So here, very, here, with great clarity, you're loved by God and you're chosen by God. So let's say that together. I'm loved by God. I'm chosen by God. Do you believe that? And, and, and I believe many times, isn't it true, like those of us that are committed to having devotions how many of you have a regular devotion can i just see raise your hand if we can see you regularly read your bible so you know that's that's a good number of us in the room that do that but even if you like read your bible regularly but you don't really pay attention to what you're reading or what god's trying to say then what's the use i mean really you're not just reading a book you're sitting with the author so take the time like reading without reflection in the word is like eating without chewing at the dinner table Okay, take some time to reflect on what God is saying. He's trying to have a conversation. The very thing that I'm having to kind of navigate through personally right now, that's what we need to walk out in our devotion life. So turn the page, stay in the Word, and listen to what God wants to say. So here you are, loved by God, chosen by God. That'll be the first thing we'll talk about. Then verse 5, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, not just a chatter, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction, so we need to understand the conversation of God, the power of God, and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It goes on to say, you know how we lived among you for your sake, you became imitators of us, that's probably gonna make you a little nervous, it does me, look at me, follow me, do what you see me doing, if you wanna know what it is to be a Christian, how many of you are not comfortable with making that statement to your coworkers every day? So recognize that's what he's saying, you became imitators of us, and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit, and so you became a model to others. So, follow our example and become the example that God wants you to be. So, those are three things that I just felt the Lord was wanting to really talk with us about today and to understand as we sort through this. And the most important thing, you know, again, love is our source. The most important thing, you can bring the words down. The most important thing that that we can bring a focus to as we are uh, looking at the element of the nature of God is God is what? He's love. God is love. The person of love is God your Father. So You notice that's where Paul starts with these people who have no framework or basis uh, of of religion's teaching or, or the law. He starts with that element because that's what Jesus brought. Let me just mention a couple of things. I didn't put them on your card, but I wish I had. I was thinking about them this morning. You might want to write these down uh, on your note card there, just things to reflect on. Uh, God does not love us because we're so doggone lovable. How many of you know we're not very lovable at times? Yeah, you can relate. I can relate. We can relate. God doesn't love us because we're so lovable. God loves us because he is so loving that's why he loves us. What well, that does is take a whole lot of pressure off of you. Like you don't have to earn something, you don't have to pretend anything, just recognize it's the loving nature of God that draws us into the deeper purposes of Christ. And then this is really important, when you settle this is what Paul's saying to these individuals who have no framework of this like, oh no, you know, God, we've heard all the stories about God and we're scared of God and like all of a sudden, no, he's your father, he loves you, he wants to draw you in and empower you. And so understanding God loves you. This is important. And when you settle the issue of God's love in your life, you will finally stop living for the approval of others and the voices of your critics will no longer slow you down. That's a big statement. That's a really important thing for us to hear. How many of you have critics? Of course we do. But when you settle the issue of God's love in your life, then you will stop, you'll finally stop living for the praise and accolades that come from other people and you'll simply be settled and resolved, I am here to embrace and to express God's love in a practical way in my world. And though people will criticize, when you, when you stand up and you start trying to, to be heard, listen to me very carefully by the Spirit of God. When you start to step into a place of influence, no matter where that place of influence is, you suddenly become a target and people will attack. Don't be surprised when that happens. Just be true to the revelation and the understanding that God loves you and he is not going to abandon you and nobody else's opinion matters to God. He makes up his own opinion about you. So God loves you and God has chosen you. He loves you and he's chosen you. Um, you remember back in the days when you, would, you were a kid, maybe go out on the playground and in the middle of, of recess, man, that was my favorite class. How about you? In the middle of recess, suddenly a game would emerge at one end of the playground, something like kickball or you know, some, some game. And a group of kids would be there, and, uh, and this is the way it normally goes down, like two stellar athletes... They're the captains. All of a sudden, they stop and say, Look, we're going to play kickball. I'll be captain one. I'll be captain two. And then those two uh, specimens of athletes start selecting from the crowd of people that are standing around them. And other specimens of athletes love this. But not everybody loves it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Like, there are others that, like, that's not their thing. They're not really into the sports thing, and they're just, like, standing there watching, and, like, people know it's not their thing. They don't have the physique for it or the skill set for it, and and they're, like, they start picking. So you choose first. Okay, I pick you. And so who's, you know, the first person chosen? They're, like, yeah, that's right. We're going to win. We're going to win. And then the next guy, he's, okay, I'm going to choose us. He's looking at everybody, overlooks these people that I'm talking about. They're not going to be chosen first. No way. I want you. Yeah, where our team's going to win. And how many of you have ever been in the thing, and they're like picking here and picking here, and you're saying, oh, God, help me not be last. Right? (laughs) Oh, God, I mean, it's not even like, let them pick me. Just let, let me not be picked last. Let somebody be worse off than me. And so, you know, the picking goes on. And finally, there's that last kid on the playground that's not yet been picked. Nobody's choosing that kid. Nobody wants that kid. That kid doesn't go to a team because they're chosen. That kid goes to a team because they're left over. How many of you know what I'm talking about is truth? I don't even understand it. But it's amazing to me that somehow, every one of us in the room is chosen first by God to do only the thing you can do, nobody else can do it. Yeah, why don't you thank him, you got picked first. Your first team, your your first choice. So you're loved by God, you're chosen by God. I mean, you do understand there are some things God wants you to accomplish that will be redirected into other people's lives if you don't answer the call. If he says you're chosen and you say, yeah, I'm not too sure about that because you don't know the love of God, then you don't know how to respond to being chosen by God because it's more about how good you are or maybe what you've accomplished and you've allowed your your past and your mistakes to shipwreck your call. And I want to say, I want to break that off you today in Jesus' mighty name that you would rise up and be who God's called you to be and live your life in such a way that Jesus is coming back so we're going to stay about the business of the Father so we begin to step into that role and realize there are some things that will be offloaded to other people but here's the incredible regret there are some things that if you don't answer your call there are some things that will simply be left undone now I think you know I don't know where all this lands theologically but I think the majority of what God's asked me to do could be done by others if I re- if I ran from God But I do believe there's a remnant variable, kind of a remnant principle of things that I will answer to God eternally for if I do not answer the call of God because nobody else can do. That's why I'm first choice. That's why I'm the first one he picks when he thinks about the field and and the need and the situation that's aligning with my assignment, my giftedness, whatever that is in my life and yours as well. So you're loved by God. Settle it. You're chosen by God. Embrace it. And the second thing that we see about this is that the Holy Spirit empowers us with deep conviction. Like you're hearing me right now more than hopefully just I'm trying to give you a compelling argument. You do understand there's something deeper than even my intentions that I'm speaking from today as there are eternal convictions that are structured within me that drive me to get up here and sense the passion of God and the power of God and the conversation that God wants to have with each and every one of us. That's why I'm here. I'm not here just to do my best for you. I'm here to serve his heart, to to fulfill his wishes, that the conversation of God will be awakened in your life. And I declare right now in Jesus' name, there's some people in the room that have been neglecting the conversation of God, but you are suddenly going to be reawakened to the conversation of God, of that which you thought you missed, of that which you thought was gone. He's the God of second chances, and he brings it back around. Wake up to the person purposes of God. With deep conviction, write it in if you would your first blank. We live from a very different perspective when we surrender to the eternal purposes of God. God's not afraid of the pleasures of this world. He's not afraid of the pleasures of this world. There are pleasures of the world that actually are God's plan and God's idea. He made them that way. Like there are things that that will please your senses, and you'll enjoy delightful conversation, and you know ski slopes or whatever your thing is. God's not afraid of that, but don't let. Creation Take the place of the creator in your life. Don't worship the wrong thing and give all the resources of who you are to going and enjoying the things that you like. Let him be your first affection so you're answering the call of God in your life and you're structuring your life according to the priorities of God, the way you live, the time that you're allotted, the way you spend your money, the way you walk out all your priorities. Let the priorities and the heart of God be at the center of everything that you're structuring in your life amen and amen. Thank you. So we all live this very different perspective, a sense of conviction, not just preference. Come on. Not just preference. I'm talking about conviction. I love the way the message describes this. It says, 1 Thessalonians 1, 5, when the message we preached came to you, it wasn't just with words. Something happened in you do you hear that when the preaching was happening something was happening in the people that were listening here such a great declaration the holy spirit put steel in your convictions some people in this house need to stop wavering through moments of temptation and rise up in a place of great strength because god did something in them and established steel in their convictions i believe i want some of that how about you I want some of that unwavering, unrelenting, I mean unmerciful love and strength and power and anointing in our lives. Jesus really does want to reign unchallenged on the throne of our hearts. There is a throne in your heart. Jesus wants to reign there unchallenged and you have to hold his seat when other things try to take his place and other things will try to take his place. And as soon as you conquer one thing that tried to take its place, you'll be introduced to something else. It's just the nature of humanity. It's the nature of fallen humanity where we're constantly navigating through a sense and a feeling and a pursuit of significance and all those things that are deep within us. a software kind of running things. I promise you, what you're doing is not what you're doing because of obvious reasons. I, it's not even obvious to you. You might think it's obvious. How many you know there's a subtle software deep within you that's that's it's constantly moving the mechanism. I, I shared this, this is a little embarrassing, but, but I don't mind. Um, we were talking in our executive team meeting last week, and I said, I said, you know, we, we walk across the, the campus, and like, I mean, there are 700 students on our campus, so there are people everywhere, parents in the morning, and, and I don't know why but I like, hi, hey, how's it going? Good to see you. Arm around, high five, boom, down low, up high. I mean, I'm like, boom, you know, everybody, I'm walking through, and I'm like, I'm just like, Mr. Hello to everybody. And so we're having this conversation, and I said, you know, I think that our dysfunction actually drives our gift more than we realize. And maybe this feeling and this deep sense within me of, maybe pursuing affirmation, or I don't know, you know, I I mean, I don't know that I have this figured out, but I bet your gift, whatever your greatest, because I mean, no, that's a strength, like people feel touched, loved, encouraged. But I bet whatever anybody's gift in this room is, at the seat of that gift, at the deepest component of that gift, is some issue of dysfunction that's producing the operation of that gift. And you don't even know why you're doing what you're doing. But God actually will take that and begin to use it for His purposes. I mean, it's just wild. When you think about that, like He's really able to do way more than we realize. And with that in mind, that's the third point You follow our example, then you become an example for other people to follow. It's a great statement. Write it in. Honoring God will cause your life to flourish and be an example of blessed imperfection for others. Blessed imperfection. Isn't that a great way to say it? As I was preparing this and thinking about it, Like, that's just a great way to make that declaration. Honoring God will cause your life to flourish, and you'll be an example of blessed imperfection for others. Have you ever just had a conversation with somebody, and there was something so pure about their life, so seemingly uncomplicated about what's going on inside them, that it spoke to you and drew you to it? you, You know those people? Like, they're hard to come by. Would you agree? Like, it's hard to find people that don't have just a prevailing mass agenda that they're cooperating with, but rather they're just saying, all right, no agenda, just open, transparent conversation, relationship. I mean, that's what God wants to do in you. Not that you have it all together, not that you have it all figured out, but that your desire, your true desire, like your heart beneath your heart, your desire beneath your desire, Begins to be awakened to the purposes of God and you're led by the Spirit of God at the very thing that's the core, central seed that's producing the fruit of your life. And people will perceive that and they'll be so drawn in. They'll be so drawn. I believe that's exactly what was going on with Jesus, why so many people that didn't have any kind of religious background were so drawn to him. Because how many of you know people that aren't religious, they appreciate when religious people don't have this underlying agenda. And I think it's why the religious people didn't like Jesus because how many of you know religious people tend to have an underlying agenda? And he wasn't willing to cooperate with it. God help us to be more like Jesus in all of this that people would be drawn in. And I have a, a clip that we're going to watch just it, it There's something so refreshing, something so beautiful, something so transparent, something so naive about a little girl who acknowledges she's nervous because she's standing among such talented people as she's trying to bring her talent, and then her gift suddenly is awakened, and I promise you, you will be inspired as were the people in the audience, and when you will humble yourself and let your gift be awakened, that's exactly what will happen in your world. Hi. What's your name? Laura. Laura, how old are you? Laura.
1: I'm 13. 13. Are you a singer? Yes. Yes. And have you been doing this for a long time? Well, my mom always liked to sing, and, you know, she saw that I liked it too, so she helped me practice and pick out the songs, and here I am. Oh, really? Uh, Yeah. Are you nervous? I'm nervous. Are you nervous? (laughs) I don't know. I just see so many talented people and, you know, just... (laughs) He's gonna do great. I feel it. All you gotta do is sing the song that you picked out, okay? Thank you. All right. 13
0: And if you ever watch that program, like very few people ever get the golden buzzer, but when they get that, they go on straight to the top of, uh, com- of competition. Here's the thing, and I just want you to, to think in these terms today, like some of you wiping away tears, some of you clapping your hands, like, I don't know if you realize, but Laura couldn't hear you clap, <laughs> but you weren't really clapping for her. You were clapping for you because you were inspired and you're saying I'm with this I'm with the expression of a gift that moves people to action and I just want to say we need to live our lives in such a way that Jesus is coming back we need to live our lives in such a way that in true humility we express our gift your gift may not be a microphone Whatever your gift is, figure it out. Give yourself to your gift. (laughs) Give yourself to the gift that God gave you and allow him to awaken it on a brand new level. Allow him to awaken it in a place of incredible compassion. Allow him to awaken it in a place of true humility. God humbled himself completely to come and live and die so that you and I would be awakened to true life not mere existence truly living so Lord I know that you really are having a conversation in this room I sensed early this morning that you just wanted us to open our hearts and we begin to hear from heaven things within us would start to be touched by the hand of God and when the hand of God begins to touch the things that are within us we begin to be awakened to something well beyond us. So stir us, Lord, I pray. Speak to us, Lord. Help us, God, to walk from this room into greater places of conversation with you all week long, carrying God's presence into a real-life forum, whatever that is, in each and every one of our lives.